Good morning, Fusion City Church. How are you guys doing this morning? You doing all right? We good this morning? If you clap, it makes you feel warmer. I don't know if you knew that or not. We, yeah, there you go. A little, uh, get the blood flowing. It'll warm us up a little bit. Hey, if uh, I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's my privilege today to, to introduce you to week two of our series, Come, Let Us Adore Him. So we, we started out this series last week with this idea about some different postures of worship that we can find ourselves in, different ways that we can express to God what's in our heart and how that looks in a lot of different ways. Again, we started that last week and we talked about pouring out our heart to God, that when we just kind of bear it all and lay it all on the line and really go to God with everything that's inside of us, good, bad, ugly, or even indifferent, that that's a a way for us to demonstrate to God what's in our heart, and and the fact that we're coming to him shows that we believe that he's the source of of comfort and help and stuff like that. And so as we pour out our hearts to God, we're worshiping him. And I wanted to make this distinction for us. You see, worship is not just something that we do. When we talk about postures of worship, today we're going to talk about lifting our hands and stuff like that. And next week we'll talk about when we, when we bow, when we really get on our knees. And we can, we, we can talk about how, how those are different postures of worship. But, but I want us to be careful that we don't believe worship to be something that we do. But rather, worshipers is something that we are. And therefore, because we are worshipers of this God that we know loves us and that we love in return, then worship becomes a natural outflow of our lives. Not because worship is something that we're supposed to do, but being a worshiper is something that you are. And that takes a lot of different forms. It takes a lot of different expressions. I believe that worship is its an expression. It's a way to, to demonstrate something, to show something. It's a, it's, it's a way to express yourself and in this manner express what you feel and express yourself to God. And so there are lots and lots of different expressions of worship. And then even within each expression of worship, when we talk about pouring out our heart, when we talk about lifting our hands in worship, there are different, there are variations of what that looks like. And so for you, pouring out your heart to God may look differently than me pouring out my heart to God and what that looks like and how it happens and all that other kind of stuff. Well, in the same way, today as we we approach this idea of, of lifting our hands as a posture of worship, there are a lot of different variations of what it looks like to lift your hands in worship. Now, comedian Tim Hawkins laid out something for us that I thought was really applicable as we talk about the different variations of of hand raising in the church. And so I didn't come up with these. He did, but I thought they were funny, and so I wanted to share them with you. So if, if maybe today you've never before in your life, you know, really lifted your hands or raised your hands in worship as an, as an expression or as a posture of worship, then you got to start small. All right, you got to start with the, the beginner hand raising. Are you ready? All right, so it's to carry the TV. Here we go. You ready? Carry my TV. All right, eyes closed. You got to eyes closed. So you're going to carry the TV. All right, like so now, all right, we were still an amateur level, but we're going to take it up a notch going big screen. All right, so now we got big screen, big screen hands of worship. All right. All right, we're going to go from there. All right, all right so now we're kind of like no, amateur, novice stuff, all right, to a little, little more than beginner. All right, my fish was this big. My fish was this big. It was this big. All right, we're in church. We don't lie because it didn't be this big, but we're going we're gonna to stay right here. All right, my fish was this big. All right, lie, Jesus still loves you, but you can lie, my fish was this big. Now we got hands out, all right? 
All right, that, 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 and then now we're getting into the more advanced stuff. We're going to go dueling light bulbs. Are you ready? Dueling light bulbs, right? And then, all right, so a little, little more advanced. Just hold my baby. Hold my baby hand. Like now we're, now we're really out and far. Hold my baby. All right. In, into into goalposts. All right, so now we got goalpost worship. This is this is really advanced stuff. All right, if, you, if you've been here for a while, really really you know comfortable and free, just exploring the space. You got goalposts. A little bit of heartburn. All right, I'll go back to back to goalposts. Double heartburn. Goalposts. All right. And then and then there's my favorite. There's my, my there's the Mufasa. Right, the Mufasa. It's the circle of life. Right, like the Mufasa. And then, like, so then, then there's the big three. There's the, there's the finale when you're, really, when you're really all into it. There's the big three, right? There's village people, Rocky, and touchdown. All right, so now we're full, full-on hand-raising worshiping church. So if today as we explore the space and we really begin to figure out what it means and looks like to, to lift our hands in worship, right? That's, that's where we're going to go with all of this today. So just know... That, that God loves it when we lift our hands. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Now, just to show you that we're not just having fun and, and not just telling jokes, I wanted to show you in Scripture some of the effects and some of the reasons that, that we, should, we should lift our hands in worship. So Psalm 63 says this. It's a, it's a prayer. In a, again, this is David. We talked a lot about David in some of the Psalms last week. And David said this in Psalm 63. He said, Oh, God. You are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. That, that kind of sounds a lot like what we talked about last week, right? Like this dry and parched area just pouring out our heart. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And as I, as I read that this week, I couldn't help but, but think about, about all of you. And even about seasons of my life where this is exactly how I felt. Dry, just dried up, no real emotion, some real apathy. We talked about that last week as well. He says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. We talked last week about remembering. Like I've, I've seen this in you before, God. There's a, there's a precedence of your power in my life. I've seen you in your sanctuary, and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Come on, somebody. We know that to be true about our Jesus, don't we? That when we know that he loves us, that his unfailing love is better than life itself because it gets us through so much. So he says, how I praise you. I know that your love is better than life, so I'm going to praise you. We're going we're to push through the pain and get to that place of praise, right? Remember that? We talked about it last week. He said, I will praise you as long as I live doing what? Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. And so this isn't something that, that we just came up with. There's, there's something that happens to us when, when, when our hands go in the air. There's something that, that takes place. And it, it happens in a lot of different arenas. But what I want us to see is that it happens quite often when we worship. It's a posture of worship that we should find ourselves in regularly. Not because it makes us look super spiritual, but because it's something that we truly feel inside of our hearts. So when, when Paul was writing to Timothy... He gave Timothy some instructions about what the worship should look like at the church that Timothy was pastoring. And he said this. He said, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He says, in every place of worship, I want men to pray 
with holy hands, what? With holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Now, I want us to, to see here that Paul singled out the men. Now, the, now in other places in, in Scripture, when it talks about mankind or all men, it's talking about humanity as a whole. But in this specific instance, if you go and look at the actual original language this was written in, Paul wasn't talking about mankind or just men as in everybody, but men specifically. And if I'm being honest, it's way more frequent to see the hands of women raised in worship than it is our men. But it's the men who God calls to be the lead, to be the example. God has placed an extra measure of responsibility onto the men in our lives and the men in our churches and the men in our families to lead and to lead well and to lead by example. So men, let me tell you, let me talk to the men folk for a minute. Ladies, you can plug your ears or do whatever. Man, let me talk to you for a minute. Man to man, don't let your wife out worship you. Don't let your kids out worship you. Don't let anybody out worship you. If we're going to be the men God has called us to be men, then we have to lead by example. Paul says, I want the men to raise their hands. I want the men to lift their hands when they pray. I want the men to set the example for the church in worship. And I want them to do so by doing what? By lifting holy hands in prayer, in worship. And I want it to be the men. Don't, 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 let, don't let the men, come on, don't, don't let them beat us. That's, that's why God made men so much more competitive than women. In general, I know there are exceptions. Don't email me. All right, so like I, like I get it. But, but generally, typically speaking, men are, are typically more competitive. Don't, don't, don't let them win. Don't, don't let, because they shouldn't, because you should be the example. Men, I don't mind calling you out. And if you want to email me, don't email me. We'll, we'll go out back. Let's, like, we'll, hook it, we'll do it real. We'll do this for real if, we, if, we, if it's got to go that far. All right, so men lift their hands in worship. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to give you a couple of reasons why. Why this is such a big deal and why we should lift our hands as a posture or an expression of our worship. And so if you're taking notes and you want to write some stuff down today as you follow along with the sermon, you can take this as the first kind of point of application for today. And here it is. We should lift our hands in worship because God loves it when we do. God loves it when we lift our hands in worship to him. So let me confess something to, to all of you. And I, I talked to the men a minute ago. Ladies, this may be some undoing for whatever measure of respect that you currently have for me. Um, I... How do I say this? I don't, I don't. I don't really like babies. Um, now, if my my wife were here and you have a baby, she wants to hold your baby. If if there is a baby within like five blocks of here, she can smell it and she wants to hold that baby. For me, I will hold your baby so that you can do something else, but then I would like to give you your baby back. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to, 
I, I don't, I'm not a baby guy. I, I, don't, I don't mind them. I'm not scared of them. I'm, I'm a dad. I've got two little I like my babies. Like, I, I held my babies. I love my babies. But if it's your baby, I want you to hold your baby. And if you need to do something that, you, that requires both hands in a service to you with as much care and affection as I can muster, I will hold your baby until you complete your task. But then I want you to have your baby back. That, that is one of my forms of worship, hold my baby, no. Like I just I can't, can't do it. Now, all of that changes when your baby becomes a toddler. I don't like babies. I love toddlers. I, I, like, I, like, I like the Frankenstein walk, like when they're just learning to walk, but they ain't, can't, ain't quite got it figured out. I love that. It's a, that, that to me is kind of adorable. And so when, when a baby becomes a toddler and they can get in the floor and they can play and we can roll around and stuff, now I like your kid. I want to I wanna, I wanna hang out with your toddler, but, but your baby, you, you hold your baby. Like I can't, I can't do that, right? So, and, and here's why. There was something that, that really takes place when, when that, that little human being, they raise their hands and they want you to pick them up and they want you to hold them. I can't say no. I, I, again, baby, they, they don't do anything. They just kind of lay there. But toddlers, they get to that fun place. And when they can, when, when they can raise their hands and, and, and almost ask for you and you know that you're wanted by them and they want your attention and they want your affection, I can't say no to that. I'm a little bit of a sucker for that. That was the favorite, one of the favorite moments in the, the upbringing of my two little girls is when they first started to, to walk and when they first started to lift their hands for me to pick them up. I can't help but believe that God denotes himself as our heavenly father because he wants us to know how he loves us. And in the same emotions that we feel towards our children, for those of us who are parents, God feels the same emotions to us as his children. And so I can't help to believe then that when we lift our hands as an expression to our heavenly father, that God just loves it. Because it's a demonstration of something that is in our heart that we desire to be near to our heavenly father. When a toddler raises their hands to me, that means that they they want me. They want to be near me. They want me to hold them. They see me as a source of either some kind of entertainment, some kind of protection, or some kind of help. And it means the same thing for us when we come to our heavenly father and we express to him that you are my help, you are my comfort, and you are my peace. I want to be near you because you love me because I love you back. James chapter four, verse eight says it this way. James said it pretty simply. He said, if you'll come close to God, God will come close to you. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And so if you feel lonely and lost and kind of like your prayers are hitting the ceiling when you pray and you wonder why God doesn't feel as close to you as he used to, guess who moved? Because God is consistent. God never changes. God is always there. So if you want to feel close to God, then all you got to do is make the effort to come close to him and he'll come close to you. Our Heavenly Father loves it when we lift our hands in worship to him because it shows that we have a total dependence and a desire to be with him, to be with him. 
The second reason. The second reason that, that God desires, or that we should, I'm sorry, the second reason that we should lift our hands as an expression of worship is because it is an offering of praise. It's our offering to God. It's something that we can give to God in response to all that he has given to us. It's an offering of praise. Psalm 141. And again, David in a, in a whole pit of, David spent a lot of time in despair. If, if, you, if, you, if you didn't know that and you read through the book of Psalms and you know that, that which Psalms David wrote, then you know David spent a lot of time in, in anguish and in calamity and in what he felt like was some distance from God, though the Bible calls David to be a man after God's own heart. And David wrote this, Psalm 141, he said, Oh Lord, I'm calling to you, please hurry. He's desperate. Listen, when I cry to you for help, accept my prayer as incense offered to you. And watch this. And my upraised hands as an evening offering. See, David's telling us that as as his example, we can offer the lifting of our hands to God in praise as an offering to God. It's something that we can give to God. And why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to give as much back to God as we possibly can in response to all that he has done for and given to you and me? It's a form of of offering that we can give to God when we lift our hands. All throughout history, lifted hands have meant two things. Almost, not, not exclusively, but they, they are consistent. For as long as I believe mankind has existed, the lifting of hands has represented two things. The first is victory, celebration, excitement. Now, I bought a foam finger, and I meant to bring it up here with me today, and I left it laying in the back of the room. So we'll, we'll just go with the old number one, all right? Now, a couple, couple weeks ago, a friend of mine gave me some tickets to the Panthers game. They played on Thursday night. I got to go to the game. I lost my ever-loving mind and my voice at the Panthers game because I was cheering in excitement about a victory, about they were winning, they were doing well for most of the game. They, sometimes they stink, all right? So they ended up winning that game. It's just the rest of them that we got to worry about. So, but, but I was so excited about the team that I love to watch play sports doing well that I was excited. I was high-fiving perfect strangers. I may or may not have completely front-hugged another man when Luke Keekley ran a ball back for a touchdown that they called back for a block in the back. But it's, it was, it was un, I didn't know that at the time. And so me and another grown man, full frontal hug, like just, oh, yeah, and high-fiving perfect strangers. Like it, was, it was just total excitement. And the whole time, like hands up in the air, praising, celebrating, excited about victory that was taking place for a sports team that I like. Because upraised hands always signify victory when there is victory to be celebrated. You can't help it. You, you can't help it. If you get excited, you get good news in the mail. You get a job promotion. You might, maybe even your own little cubicle in your office, nobody else watching, you get good news via email, you start your hand up. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a form of celebration. Our raised hands can demonstrate the excitement that exists in our heart. Come on, folks. Why, why shouldn't we be excited about Christ? 
Why shouldn't our hands be in the air? Why shouldn't we celebrate a victory? The other thing that, that uplifted hands signifies or demonstrates is surrender. For, for most of us in the room, I know, I know some of us are crazy. I know who you are specifically. I'll try not to make eye contact. Um, if somebody pulled a gun on you, now, some of you, that you, that's the day you've been waiting for because you got one too, right? <laughs> like you, you're, you're excited about the day that somebody pulls a gun. For, for the rest of some of us, because <laughs> I happen to be in the other category. And for the rest of some of us, if somebody pulls a gun on you and demands your money, what, what are you going to do? Don't, don't, please don't shoot me. And, and how, how, do you, how do you communicate to your attacker that you don't want to be shot? How do you communicate that you mean them no harm? How do you communicate that you give up, that you submit, that you'll be no trouble, that they're in charge, that whatever they want to do, they can do? How do you you communicate that? Just like this. Your hands raised in surrender. Here's the really cool thing. When we open the pages of scripture and when we read and we understand the gospel and more than when we just read or understand, but when we believe the gospel, that there was a God who loved his created people. And that those created people in their sin rebelled against him, his perfect will, his plan, his paradise, his, his everything. We rebelled against that in our desire to be God for ourselves. And we can try to blame it all on Adam and Eve, but I think all of us know our own hearts and know that if we'd been presented with the same opportunity and the same temptation, we'd have done the same thing as our first parents. And we would have rebelled against the holy God because we like to be in control with the deepest, darkest part of our soul and in our hearts and in, in and in our sin you and i think we can run our lives better than anybody else including our creator we rebelled against god meaning that because of our imperfection we are now separated from a perfect and a holy god In his perfection and in his righteousness and in his holiness, he can have nothing to do with anything that is unholy. You can't, light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. And so God in his perfection could have nothing to do with us in our rebellion until. Until God in his great mercy and in his compassion and in his love sent his son as a baby born in a manger to a virgin mother who would one day go to a cross and to take our place. Now, I don't want us to miss that and I don't want us to skip over that. Listen, it's Christmas. We're in the Christmas season. We're two weeks away and it's gonna be awesome. And I love Christmas and I love everything that it's about. But the reason that I love Christmas so much 
is because I know that that was the moment that, that God came in a body and became a man. But I know that he did that because he was in that moment rescuing us from that which we needed to be rescued, which was our sin and our rebellion. And he did so through the form of his son, Jesus, who would one day go to the cross for us and take our place, and in taking our place, taking our sin, and in taking our sin, taking our unrighteousness, and in taking our unrighteousness, taking our imperfection, so that now when God looks upon us who were in rebellion and in sin, that if we've received the the forgiveness through Jesus Christ, now what he sees is the perfection of his son in place of our imperfection that we brought on ourselves. And now that he sees us, as his righteous children, we can once again be in fellowship with a holy and a perfect God. Not because we are perfect or holy, but because Jesus was. And he took our place and he gave us his. And because he was willing to go so far and do so much, God honored him by raising him from the grave. And he is now alive, seated at the right hand of God and in perfect 100% fellowship with the Father in the way that it has always been since the beginning of time. He did that for us. And now here's what he asks for from us when we begin to believe the gospel, the good news of a God who loved us enough to come to earth to die for our sins, honored and raised because of his sacrifice. Here's what he asks from us. I surrender. I give up. You're in control. I won't be in any trouble. You do whatever you want to do. I surrender. I submit. You're in charge. This is all about you. I got nothing. It's all you. Here's what's really cool. You ready? You're going to like this. This is good. In Christ, victory is the result of our surrender. So God calls us to surrender, but when we surrender, we end up in victory because we, as the believing body, those committed to and following Christ, we have the hope of a future that exceeds what we know to be true about our time on this earth. We've, we've already won. When you accept Christ, you've already won. So you're in victory. So your surrender gets you a victory. So if lifted hands signify surrender, and if lifted hands signify victory, then we should just walk around with our hands up all the time. All the dang time. Why? Because I surrender. God, I give up. But at the same time, hey, now that I've surrendered, whoo, victory. Like it's just, just go from one to the other. And it's living this constant state of surrender and victory. Because in Christ, we have both. We have both. We have a Lord to which we submit and a Savior who gives us the victory. Why why wouldn't we lift our hands? Why would we not? Here's what's going to happen. We intentionally planned more music for today after my message than before. Some of y'all missed the beginning of the message because you used to come in at the second song and I was already talking. That's all right. We still love you. But here's why we did it. Here's why we did it. And it's not, and I don't want us to be, I don't want us to, to only think that we can only worship when we sing. That's not true. We can worship all the time. 
but one of the most freeing and, and capable times of worship that, that I have personally, and I think that a lot of us would, would identify with as well, is when we as a, a body, when we as a family sing together. It's, it's a great form of worship. So here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. As we worship through singing, even if you've never tried it before, even if you don't believe all the words to all the songs or all this Jesus stuff or all this God stuff, even if you're not completely bought into that yet, you sing words to songs you don't believe all the time. When you sing along to Taylor Swift, you don't believe all that. You ain't shaking it off all the time. Like you, you know, but you sing it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Whether you believe it or not, maybe even whether you feel it or not, I want you to sing. I want you to sing. I've said this before, and maybe a lot of you haven't heard this, and sometimes people ask, and this would be a great opportunity for me to explain it. There's a reason that we turn the lights off during worship, and there's a reason that our music's really loud. Number one is so that you can't hear yourself sing, especially if you're a terrible singer. Because we want you to be able to sing at the top of your lungs and not worry about anybody else being able to hear you. Because it is freeing to sing with everything that is within you. You don't have to worry about anybody else hearing because you can't even hear you because our music's really loud. We like it that way. And number two, we cut the lights off. You want to know why? So nobody else can see you worship. Because worship, it is not about you and somebody else. It's about you and God. And so if you feel free to raise your hands, little TV, big TV, here's my fish, high five Jesus, some of the ladies like to wash the window, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, you do it. But you do it as an expression of worship to your God. And do it freely. Because there is something that is communicated when we, as God's people, feel the freedom to lift our hands, to pray with me. Father, today I hope that as we we dive into these these different ideas of, of what worship looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like, that, Father, you would unleash or unlock something in us that we may be able to worship with a passion like we've never demonstrated or expressed before. And God, maybe today, just maybe, that free moment for somebody in this room will be the very first time that they felt free enough to lift their hands in victory to lift their hands in surrender to a good heavenly father who loves them and as an act of praise in response to the gospel. So God, this is my prayer. All of us in this room right now, all of us as we stand and as we sing and as we praise and as we worship, that God, we would feel the freedom in this moment to lift our hands in praise to you, in thanks to you, in worship of you, because you're a good heavenly father who loves his children. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we can have in him.
and the power that comes from our submission to his authority. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.